The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum everyone and welcome to the Arise to Success show where we aim to highlight inspiring individuals and their journeys to success. My name is Jihad, I'm your host of this show. Throughout the show, dear listeners, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to send them on 0779481822. Our guest today is Samara Michael, who is a talented businesswoman from Yorkshire who has journeyed from being a stretched out working mum to carving her own path as the CEO of a flourishing business. She's a weaver to Islam and lover of football. She's successful in setting up a family business not only generating consistent income, but also harmonizing it with her family life. Upon observing the desire amongst many Muslims to establish their halal-based remote business similar to hers, she curated a coaching program to assist them. Since launching her program, Samara has mentored over 1,500 students, providing them with key skills and strategies to kickstart and sustain a successful business. Samara, lovely having you with us today, and thank you for joining me to the uh, Rise to Success show. Welcome. So, how are you doing? So, we can't hear you, Samara. You might be on mute. Oh, there we are. Do apologize. I've been adjusting my microphone this afternoon, unsuccessfully it seems. Anyway, salam alaikum everybody. Thank you so much for inviting me on, and I am super excited to be here. Jazakallah khair, and we are honoured to have you as well with us. So, Samara, first of all, if we can perhaps tell us more about you as a businesswoman, and I'll introduce you a little bit more, a little bit, but if you can tell us a little bit more about you. Sure, absolutely. So I am a revert to Islam. I am a wife and a mum. I have a number of businesses. I just can't seem to keep still in terms of <laughs> developing new stuff as soon as I see a gap in the market. I seem to put myself in the position <laughs> of having to execute that idea. So sure. my main two streams of income are my own Amazon FBA business. So I retail online. Um, and as a result of that, I actually started my journey to become a mentor and coach simply because of pester power. If anyone's got children, you'll be aware of the constant, mom, can I have this? <laughs> so it was a case of all my friends ringing me up saying, Samara, you know, you, you seem to have cracked the code. You're earning mm. money. It's halal. We can do it from home. We don't need to show our face. We don't need to dance on social media. Come on, Sam, can you show me how to sell on Amazon? And as a result of so many different sisters asking me, I thought, okay, there has to be an easier way to do this. As a self-confessed lazy person, I thought, well, if I can teach everyone all in one go, that's going to make my life a whole lot easier, but also give my clients the benefit of learning from each other. So that's how my Amazon FBA Kickstarter Mentoring Academy was born. Wow, love it, mashallah. And I love the energy as well. And you said that you're lazy. I was like, no, no way. You're very hardworking, mashallah. Several businesses, mashallah. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. But if I can look for a shortcut or a hyper-efficient way of doing something, that's definitely my cup of tea. Yeah, mashallah. No, that's that's amazing. And you said you've got always have ideas, find what the gaps in the market. So that's great, mashallah. And that makes you a great coach as well to coach others as well. So that's amazing. Being a lover of football, I love that. Mashallah. I don't know many females who are lover of football, so <laughs> I know. I, I sometimes think I should have been born a man, Estafrala. We can list these uh, masculine hobbies of mine. I like fast cars, I like football, oh. <laughs> I like decorating. Um, I stop at DIY. If you ever wanted someone to build a house that's going to fall down, you could ask me to do that. But yes, oh. I am a lover of football and I have a funny story to tell. Mm. I grew up um, in Manchester mm. as a, an avid Manchester United fan. Now, I know not everyone here will be football fans, but I'm sure most of us have heard of the Red Devils, Manchester United. But as I got older... Manchester City, their biggest rivals, 
took over <laughs> the oh. Arabs bought the club and they had a cash a massive cash injection and Manchester City started to overtake Man United and I actually did the sinful thing of switching sides oh, so wow. that's how I became a Manchester City fan but I've been a City fan now for about 10 years and I, I am a massive fan I try and watch all the games Wow, love it, mashallah, and love your interests and passions and into cars as well, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My husband's got a Maserati, um, so um, I thought I had to outdo him. So I've just bought a Porsche. So we, we do it. have two good cars. After 10 years in business, I have to say, it yeah. took me a very long time to, to feel worthy. I'm comfortable to start spending the money that my businesses had generated. I started with a scarcity mindset that, um, you know, maybe all this money is going to go. Maybe this is a fluke. You know, I'm not the person to buy expensive cars. This is not humble of me. So I had a, a lot of mindset issues that were, were holding me back. But finally, after 10 years, I thought, no, I've worked incredibly hard. I deserve to travel in style, so I finally bought myself a decent car. No, I love it, mashallah. Now, well, you said you felt you didn't feel worthy of spending that money on yourself. Tell us a bit more about that work of mindset that you had today, because a lot of us fall guilty of doing that. Um, so how was that journey working on that mindset to us, and how did you come out of that? Mm, so initially, I used to feel that, in order to be a good Muslim, if I was going to apply that label to myself, then I had to denounce all worldly things. Mm -hmm. But slowly as I started to invest in myself, I started to surround myself with mentors who were a few steps ahead of me who'd really um, got this thing sussed out. I realized, actually, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses you and bestows you with financial success, then that's a blessing in the same way that, you know, good health is a blessing. Having children is a blessing. Mm -hmm. It's just another form of barakah. And I realized that, if he's given it me, then I can use it as a source for good. So primarily I use it to um, support charities. I am a patron of New Beginnings, which is a charity that supports converts to Islam and their families. So I also went to Umrah. So as I started to tick off my religious boxes, hmm. I then started to realize, well, you know, it, it's not wrong to spend the blessings Allah's given you as long as you do not become attached to the dunya and become needy for wealth to the point that it turns you into a bad person. So wealth in itself, I come to understand, is neutral. If you're a good person, wealth will amplify all that's good about you. Whereas if you're a rubbish kind of person, wealth mm. is just going to intensify that. And may Allah protect us from those negative characteristics and make us people of understanding. Amen. 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 And you mentioned quite a good point there where, you know, wealth, it depends on how we use it, right? And there's nothing wrong with having the wealth because, in fact, if we have the wealth, we can give more, right? You mentioned the charities and so on. So in Islam, there is, because some people have that, you know, perception that wealth is evil or money is evil. It's, as you said, it depends on the use of it, right? If you use it the right way, then it becomes good. If you use it the wrong way, then it becomes evil. So it's all about how we use it and how we approach it and perceive it and so on. So that's amazing. And that sh mindset as well that you mentioned is something worth working on uh, because there's nothing wrong with spending on ourselves. In fact, you know, it's it's good. You know, Allah has given us a right to look after ourselves and we will be asked about how we spent our money and our wealth. So we need to make sure that we use it the right way. So JazakAllah khair for that. Being a mum and mashallah, very successful businesswoman, how do you manage both? It's not easy. <laughs> It isn't easy, and, and I get asked this question a lot. And I like to be a little bit vulnerable and hold my hands up and say, I don't think I have a perfect work-life balance. In fact, I don't believe it exists. And I think us women and society in general put too much pressure on us to try and 
balance everything out perfectly at all times and actually that extra pressure makes us feel like we're losing at everything so i think it's just about identifying what the priorities are for you and your family in accordance with what allah subhanahu wa ta'ala requires from us Mm. and then just doing your very very best to Mm. meet everyone's needs but but not neglecting your own needs at the same time i think self-care is very very important particularly for women who do wear multiple hats and have different roles in life you can't pour from an empty cup so ensuring that we look after our needs and take time out is is really important. But I also felt that having strong boundaries is also another act of self-care and it's an extension of that. So also being able to say no, not feeling that you have to give your whole self to, to say to those around you, well, actually, you go and figure it out. That's why you'll, you'll, you will learn from that process. So it's about having boundaries as well. Yeah. No, I love what you mentioned there because self-care, that can be quite difficult sometimes, isn't it? So perhaps, you know, I'm going to just remind the listeners um, of, um, of yourself just in case anybody joined us a bit later. But then I want to come back to you. I would like you to speak a little bit more about that self-care, how it looks like for you. Um, the importance of it, you've touched upon that a little bit, perhaps a little bit more, um, because I think that's something that we need to kind of remember as Muslims in general. And as you said about women as well, because we start to think about everyone around us by neglecting ourselves, that it is it is part of our rights and part of what will be asked for um, um, the day of judgment about how we spent our own life as well. So just to remind our dear listeners is that we have Samara on the show with us today, who's a talented businesswoman who has journeyed from being a stretched out mum, a stretched out working mum, to carving her own path as the CEO of a flourishing business. Samara has mentored over hundred over 1,500 students. Sorry, there was a bit of background noise there. Um, Samara has mentored over 1,500 students, providing them with key skills and strategies to kickstart and sustain a successful business. If anybody has any questions for Samara, please feel free to send those in 0779481822. So coming back to you, um, Samara, regarding self-care, some tips perhaps um, how you do it, perhaps, you know, if our dear listeners can listen to that and benefit from it. Um, and the importance and how that has an impact on you and your life by making sure that you have that time for self-care and meeting your own needs um, as well as meeting the needs of others. I think it's important to remember that in Islam, in our faith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has perfected a blueprint for how we should live our lives as Muslims. So actually taking time out to try and read my salah on time, to um, read Quran, to um, educate myself about deen, particularly as a convert to Islam. I, I didn't grow up in a household where habits and rituals of Islam were part of my life. So I learned about Islam, but I also appreciate that Islam is a lifelong learning experience and and that's joyful for me. So my first act of self-care is actually indulging myself in the the pleasures of learning about Islam and educating myself. and then what comes to mind is the what everyone sees as self-care. So things like I do have a regular massage, but that's really for shoulder pain. I'm often at my desk and I'm hunched up. So this is for medicinal purposes. But moreover, it's in terms of how I operate my businesses. So I had to come to realize that although I'm the figurehead, I'm at the forefront, I'm the CEO, that doesn't mean that I have to do everything. A lot of entrepreneurial qualities are linked into having a strong drive, a strong ambition, a lot of grit. And and these can be quite masculine traits if we're looking at the division of masculine and feminine energy. So I actually do lean towards the masculine side in how I operate. And in many seasons of business, you have to lean into that energy to get stuff done. What, but what I learned is I can't do everything and that's okay. 
there are people out there who have more skills than me in certain areas. For example, video editing, I'm not great at that. Small, finer detail work, I'm not great at that either. I do have ADHD, so that means things like typos. You know, I'm dreadful for making typos. So I'm able to bring people into my business who can fill those gaps, plug those gaps, and together we make a strong business based on teamwork. So giving myself permission to sometimes get things wrong or to outsource even things to do with managing the household. So I get help with the cleaning, with the ironing, help with my work and realizing that business is not a one-man show or a one-woman show. You can build people around you. And that is actually my biggest act of self-care because it lets me off the hook. It means I'm not responsible for absolutely everything. No, I love that, mashallah. And, you know, part of your self-care, as you said, it differs from one person to person. And for you, it worked for you that way where, you know, you are taking care of yourself in certain ways. And that also leads to the success of your business as well because you're not trying to do it all by yourself. And you, what I really liked as well that you mentioned is that utilizing people's strengths around you and creating that team because you don't have to do it alone. We're not perfect at everything. We're going to have, you know, certain strengths in certain areas and other people will have certain strengths that we don't have. So it's about supporting one another, working as a team and putting your strength in the right place and utilizing this in the right place. So I really love that what you mentioned. So that's, mashallah, that's amazing. Inshallah, that could benefit others out there is that and even those who want to start a business, you don't have to do it all on your own, whether it is business or anything in life, you know, um, taking care of certain things. You don't have to do it on your own. If you're able to, fine. But if you're not able to, you don't have to pressurize yourself to do all of that on your own. So Jazakallah for sharing that. Um, um, and you mentioned earlier as well about, you know, a support system where you said that you've had mentors as well. Um, so perhaps we can talk, because I wanted to ask that earlier, but then I forgot. How important is having a mentor, not necessarily in business, but even our lives? We don't have to. What I mean is that, you know, mentors can be in the sense that people who have more experience than us, that we can gain um, um, guidance from them, support from them. It comes back to the point that we talked about, so that you don't have to do it all on your own. So how important is that to have that support system and to have mentors in our lives to help us move forward? Oh, it's so incredibly important. And I think you've made um, a good point that that's not just in business, in every aspect of our life. If you're the most intelligent person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So there's Mm -hmm. always scope for improvement. And this kind of feeds into the principle of in, in excellence, that we should strive to perfect ourselves, to polish our character. And we know we're on the religion of our friends, which alludes to the fact that the company you keep and the people in your circle around you mm-hmm. is incredibly important and it's going to hold up a mirror in terms of our own iman. So Islamically, it's always been important for me to learn from people more learned than myself. <laughs> And interestingly, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Like, you don't know anything. So always surrounding yourself with people who have expertise in their own topics uh, has been one of my strengths, I think, understanding that. Mm. And keep you humble as well, you know. It's easy for success to go to your head. Not many Muslims will admit that, but mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, I'm now a multi-seven-figure entrepreneur. I hold the title of millionaire, which I never thought I would, and I'd never be able to admit that before. I'd be literally embarrassed to say how successful I am. So it's important to stay humble and always being around people who know more than you. There is no better way to stay grounded. Yeah, absolutely. Mashallah, that's amazing, Mashallah, work that you do. And as you said, staying humble about it. You said that you never thought you'd be a millionaire, right? How was the journey like? 
why is it why did it seem impossible and how does it feel like that it became possible i suppose i was never really this crazy as it sounds mon- money orientated like well i'd rather get to jannah than be a millionaire then i realized haha what's stopping you have both yeah <laughs> i was just going to say <laughs> exactly um so the success and the money has been a direct result of the impact what's important to me in business is having a positive impact on this ummah when we look at the youth of today i see so many people being sucked into the ills of society there's a you know with our young men in the ummah they're being sucked into drug dealing and and all these kind of haram things like forex trading like i don't want to be controversial but many scholars have said that this is not permissible and i wanted to show actually there's a a credible legitimate viable alternative to criminal activity and us muslim women us muslims in general you can be successful you can be an entrepreneur there's so much good that comes from honest trade so for me the work i do is always about presenting a positive role model like i've been through so much in life i want people to sit back and think you know what if samara can do it samara who's been homeless samara who has bipolar who has adhd you name it i've gone through it if she can do it what's to stop me from doing it so the money was kind of circumstantial alhamdulillah i'm very grateful for it and it's given me a comfort in life money does not buy happiness we all know that that stereotype but it does give you more choices it does give you more options and it does give you more ease alhamdulillah so i appreciate the financial success and i enjoy it But my primary goal is to give back to the community inshallah mashallah i love that and you mentioned from being homeless to being a millionaire i would love to know more about that you know it's it's amazing and you know working on yourself and getting to that level mashallah but i'd love to know more about that journey so i was working in um the local authority my background is in housing management mm-hmm. um but I had a mental health crisis and I'm very very open about this because it's been a taboo for so long and I think well part of my post traumatic growth is being able to talk about mental health and understanding that it's not something to brush under the carpet is not something to look down upon people for in fact having mental health issues and learning to to live and coexist with them there's a lot of strength in that so i was unable to continue my job because of my bipolar and mm-hmm. i took voluntary redundancy as a result of that i had a small amount of money to invest which i channeled into my amazon fba business that's how it began but the knock on effect of that was that i couldn't pay for my housing so i ended up um becoming bankrupt essentially and mm-hmm. i had to go into social housing which is nothing wrong with that but it was in a terrible area um my neighbors were racist the day i got my keys for my first social housing property i came and found p a k i written on my front door and i'm mm-hmm. you know i'm white but that was the association oh she covers herself she must be a p a k i forgive me I'm just quoting what I found on my front door. So that was probably one of the hardest periods of my life, but I handled a lot of love blessed me with some degree of resilience mm-hmm. and I guess I'm living the reward for that period of sabr and challenge in my life. Well, subhanallah. I wanted to talk about that as well because sometimes when we see that success we don't realize it came from hardship. right and thank you for sharing this i know it can be very difficult so i appreciate you sharing this jazakallah khair and what you mentioned about the, what you saw in your door it's the ignorance of people that they think about only one single you know culture is the name for everyone or for all muslims so that's the ignorance of you know some you know uh, unfortunately 
But subhanAllah, you know, you've used that experience to get to know, to get to where you are now. And inshallah, helping other Muslims as well. And that's your, um, your passion is to help other Muslims. That when they see that you've done it, they can as well. And that's the reason behind this show as well, is to show a different kinds of role models like yourself and others who I had on the show, inshallah, to be an inspiration for other Muslims to do something for themselves, to follow their passion, follow their dreams. You may experience, you know, difficulties, failures and so on, but that never stopped you. And you committed and you continued and mashallah, got you where you are now, mashallah. So congratulations and thank, thank you for sharing that. Jazakallah and it, I would like also to come back to a point that you mentioned about challenging ourselves and it's very similar to the experience that you've mentioned where you actually challenge yourself and you had to take that leave but you still invested that money into something and you know it caused other difficulties but you committed to it so sometimes we have to challenge ourselves and always continue sort of developing so for sharing all of that inshallah we'll continue after the break we'll be going for a very short break so dear listeners this is Inspiring and Gluten on 105.1. We'll begin for a short break, inshallah. So please do stay tuned. It's a very interesting conversation with Samara, and there's a lot more to share after the break, inshallah. So, so far, we've been um, talking with Samara about her journey into business, how she's, you know, managing, you know, business, being a mom, being a wife, mashallah, um, her journey um, into business from being homeless to being a millionaire so there's a lot more to share inshallah after the break so please do stay tuned and we'll see you very shortly inshallah assalamu alaikum this is atif nawaz listen to inspire fm shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on apple podcasts or spotify Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Arise to Success show. We have Samara Michael with us today, who is a talented businesswoman from Yorkshire who has journeyed from being a stretched out working mum to carving her own path as a so I lost the line there. As the CEO of a, flour- of a flourishing business, she's a revert to Islam and lover of football. She's successful in setting up a family business, not only generating consistent income, but also harmonizing it with her family life. Upon observing the desire amongst many Muslims to establish their halal-based remote business similar to hers, she curated a coaching program to assist them. Since launching her program, Samara has taught over 1,500 students, providing them with key skills and strategies to kickstart and sustain a successful business. Dear listeners, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to send them on 0779-481822. Apologies, there seems to be some echoing. Um, I hope that's, inshallah, going to be sorted. So, Samara, before the break, we were talking about, you know, your business, where you started and where you got to, and we get a little bit more about that. Um, but in general, you know, starting with nothing and then, mashallah, getting to so much, which, you know, makes us understand that it is actually possible, inshallah, having that as an inspiration for us as well. So perhaps now if we can move in talking a little bit more about, you know, um, that journey into the business. Tell us about that journey a bit more and, you know, where you, you kind of spoke a little bit more about it, a little bit about it before the break, where you said that you left your work because of mental health um, challenges and you put that money into an investment. That's a big risk, right? So what motivated you to do that? And why specifically this business? For instance, you didn't go seeking another job. You decided to start your own business. So can you tell us more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I have always been entrepreneurial. It started when I was about five years old. And I, my first business was illegal. Okay, I (laughs) ran to my next door neighbors, and I used to pinch rose petals from his bush, had a beautiful garden, alhamdulillah, beautifully pruned roses. And I used to pinch them and make rose scented perfumes for my schoolmates and I used to sell it to them <laughs> so may Allah forgive me for that wow. um, but from then I've always been entrepreneurial I've always been looking for ways to to make money and I, it's just something I, I get a lot of excitement from you could probably tell you have a lot of positive energy I'm quite a quirky character so I think entrepreneurship was probably written for me um so when i took redundancy 
um, I first started making Islamic badges for children, coming up with nice slogans and little certificates saying, mashallah, etc. But I hit a snag. My graphic design skills, although I'm a creative thinker, <laughs> weren't very good. So I sold a few. Um, I was selling them on eBay. But aside from the fact that they weren't very good, um, mm. I hated queuing up at the post office every day, posting out my orders. I found that was a, a real stretch on my time. Mm. Um, and, you know, the people in the post office, like, they have no job satisfaction at all. When I'd, I reached the put my parcels on the, on the weighing scales, they'd be rolling their eyes and groaning. I'm like, dude, uh -huh. that's what you're here to do. This is your job to post my parcels. But anyway, I thought, okay, there has to be a better way. So I found out about Amazon FBA. Mm -hmm. So the FBA element stands for Fulfillment by Amazon. And that solved all my problems. Amazon will deal with the delivery using their vast logistical network. They have, you know, great delivery capacity. So FBA meant I no longer had to post orders out myself. Amazon would do the picking, the storage, the delivery, even deal with customer service. Like what could be easier? So that's how my Amazon FBA business was born. I, I expanded to sell generic products. People will ask me, well, what do you actually sell? And my answer is anything that I can turn a profit on that's halal. So it ranges from things like kettle pots to um, toothpaste to coffee to Manchester City mugs, like anything that I can make a profit on, I sell inside my Amazon store. Oh wow, mashallah. So just listening to the kind of things that you sell, mashallah, it kind of led to being a, bil uh, a millionaire. So it's, and you kind of found, again, coming back to the point where, you know, you didn't like the delivering aspect. So you found somewhere that has that strength and you outsource that to them and you were focusing on what you enjoy. And I love that because one of the things that can put people off is doing things that they don't really like. So it's about finding what you really like and the rest just outsource it because then it makes you even more successful at what you do. Absolutely. And, yeah, and mashallah, that was evident from what you've shared there. So that's great, mashallah. I'm quite interested when you said as well about you referred to, um, because you were revert to Islam, but um, you said that from, it seems like from, it happened earlier on because you had, you talked about, you know, um, doing things um, uh, for Muslims. I think like you mentioned there are a few things that you mentioned, uh, I can't remember, they are like, mashallah, and things like that. So you had, you were, you converted to Islam from an earlier age? And what was Ooh, Let me just consult my calculator. <laughs> when you get to my age, you forget how old you are. So I reverted at 21. I'm now 44. So 23 years, I've been Muslim more that more years than I've been not Muslim, alhamdulillah. And what was your journey into Islam like, if you don't mind sharing that? No, I don't mind sharing at all. But I would like to know that, uh, thank you so much for asking if I mind sharing it, because a lot of um, born Muslims, they love to hear revert stories, and I can understand why they're so inspiring. But one thing I learned from my patronage of New Beginnings, the charity I mentioned is, actually sometimes, not for me, because I am going to share my story, but for some converts, their journey to Islam can come with some trauma and some difficulty. So it's important that our Muslim born Muslim community understand that sometimes that's a very personal question. For example, there are many brothers who become Muslim as a result of being in prison, or people find Islam through hitting bottom in their life where there may be drug and alcohol issues so sometimes we need to be very respectful that the journey to islam is not our right to demand access to that knowledge and i had no idea about this until i started working with new beginnings alhamdulillah so in terms of my journey to islam it is a very positive one um, i mentioned that my work was in housing when i was in my 
I think 19, 18, 19, I started working with refugees and asylum seekers. And alhamdulillah, Allah graced me with this brilliant job where I got to help the refugees and asylum seekers who'd come from Iraq, from Somalia, from Afghanistan. And it was my job to help the ladies. And you know, they had language barriers. We couldn't communicate on a really deep level. But what I noticed from these ladies was this incredible character. The council did not give them a lot. You'll appreciate they had very sparsely furnished houses. They didn't have a lot of money. Their subsistence was in the form of vouchers. They weren't even given cash by the local authority. So I'd go and visit them at home, check their accommodation, check their settling in. And all I would see in their house would be a prayer timetable on the wall. Nothing else. And this incredible sense of sabr and warmth. And that's how I came to become Muslim, simply yeah. through the character of these ladies who would always show me hospitality, hospitality and gratitude. They had nothing. Let's appreciate they had nothing, yet they were going out of their way to give. So simply because of their character, I started to think, well, hang on, you know, they've got something that I don't. What do they have? Even though they materialistically have nothing that I'm missing. And that's how I started to learn about Islam. And I just want to, to finish this story with never look down on a non-Muslim. I once had a friend and her mom, bless her, may Allah give her Jannah. She used to have a, a cup and saucer for the builders, you know, the, the Gora, the English people. And they weren't allowed to eat from the same plate, you know, as the rest of the household. She had separate dishes for the white people. And I've come to realize, you know, every person who's a non-Muslim has potential if Allah guides them and Allah guides their heart to Islam to be a better Muslim than you and I. So please, I must urge you all to always give dawah to people through your character, smiling, good manners, being honest. These things matter because that's how Allah guided me through these good characteristics like the Prophet ﷺ had. So please never look down on Muslims. Honestly, with your behavior and Allah's decree, they could be better than us and you will get the reward, inshallah, for um, planting that seed of deen in their heart. Absolutely, inshallah, that's amazing. And that's evident from what's happening in Palestine now because all we can hear, subhanAllah, with all that's happening, all they say is alhamdulillah. And that was the reason for a lot of people to become Muslims. And Islam is about mannerism, right? Because it's our mannerisms, our behavior that speaks louder than words. So it's, um, it's very true there. So inshallah, may Allah make us all a means of using our mannerism as a guidance to others inshallah um, and you mentioned new beginnings is that the imran the director of new beginnings is that right yes imran is mashallah yeah yeah he will be in the show i don't know maybe april time inshallah so yeah they're doing an amazing job and inshallah as you said you know i think you're giving charity as well to uh, or volunteering for them you mentioned I'm a financial patron, so I financially support the charity. Inshallah, that's amazing. May Allah reward you, inshallah. Amen. That's great stuff that you've shared. And I'm just going to remind our dear listeners that we have Samara on the show today, who is a talented businesswoman who has journeyed from being a working mom to carving her own path as the CEO of a flourishing business. Samara has mentored over 1,500 students, providing them with key skills and strategies to kickstart and sustain a successful business. Dear listeners, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to send those on 0779-481822. So coming back to yourself, uh, Samara, tell us more about your business in terms of the wins, the challenges, the, and how you've, if there are any challenges, I mean, in a business or anything that we go through sometimes in life, we'll go through challenges and wins. What, if you can share with us some wins, some challenges, and how do you overcome or how did you overcome those challenges? 
Of course, yeah. So let's switch up a little bit and talk about my coaching and mentoring. So I teach Muslims how to start and scale a successful Amazon business following my own roadmap and blueprint to success. So two of the main challenges that I've faced One was imposter syndrome. So I used to feel, well, who am I to teach this stuff? You know, I am a flawed person. And I thought, why has Allah chosen me to do this job? And I worried about failing. And I worried about the huge responsibility on my shoulders. But Alhamdulillah, Allah has elevated me and put the right people in my path to build my coaching business uh, to to become a place of great success um lots of positive feedback and that's what matters that people feel that it's worth the investment and that they're getting out more than what they put in so another challenge was reaching out to other coaches so There can be an element of competition in business, but I don't operate like that. I always feel we're stronger together. Um, And there'd be other coaches I felt like to collaborate with and like to reach out to. But initially at the beginning, I felt, you know, they're not going to listen to me. I wear hijab. I'm a woman. Who am I, you know, to even be in this space? So I had to do a lot of work around my confidence and assessing what I bring to the table. And I think we often overlook as an ummah, we have tremendous talent, tremendous skills. You know, people, some of my clients will say, well, I'm just a mom, Samara. I'll say to them, what are you good at? You know, why do you want to work with me? And they'll say, oh, I don't know. I'm just a mom. I'm like, just a mum. Being a mum gives you great strengths, alhamdulillah. Multitasking. You deal with conflict resolution when your kids, you know, are fighting. We have to look at the positives. There's so much we learn from the journey of motherhood that we shouldn't make ourselves small or downplay our achievements. Alhamdulillah, Muslim women need to have a voice about the things that we're good at and really own it. Um, finally, the, another challenge I have is, I'm going to call the Muslim community out on this, hate. So I have a st- social media presence, alhamdulillah, and I will have Muslims say, oh, you're just a scammer, you're lying about your income. And to be honest, that really hurts because I always operate from a place of integrity, People can call me a scammer all you like, but you don't know me. You have no evidence of that. And quite frankly, it isn't true. Mm. And it hurts me that people can be so loose-tongued that they will actually slander another Muslim without evidence rather than believe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has capacity to bless a hijabi nor a diverse woman from Yorkshire with millionaire status isn't that sad that people will presume it's a lie rather than look at how expansive allah is and how merciful and bountiful allah is that one hurts me because it indicates a problem in the ummah yeah and subhanallah that's something that i hear as well from um others the negative comments um and although they try not to let it get to them but it does because these comments will have impact on the individuals unfortunately um so and that's the power of words so it's important for us to choose our words wisely um is it going to help somebody is it going to make them feel down is it something going to hurt them so it's about I guess it's about measuring these words before using them because those words can make a huge difference in someone's life. It can get to the extent where it can make or break somebody. So it's very important that we use our words or choose our words wisely and not be in a place to break somebody. So that's unfortunately, um, it is it is a common problem that we have nowadays. Um, and I notice it in, 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 in so many different societies. It's got to a level where we... And some people feel like they do it on purpose to make people feel down. Um, whether it is, you know, a lot behind it, whether they don't like somebody being successful or this or that, whatever it is, let's not be in the place of hurt, but let's be in a place where we can help 
make others inshallah and arise as an ummah that's why i call my my show arise to success so we can arise as an ummah together inshallah because when we're doing something for ourselves we're not just doing it to help ourselves but to help the ummah all together inshallah to arise collaboratively inshallah so jazakallah khair for that talking about your um, coaching program if we can talk a little bit more about it and how do you how you help other muslim businesses through your coaching program <laughs> Sure. So there are a lot of Amazon FBA courses out there, but I like to manage the language carefully that actually I course, it's definitely a mentoring program. So there's a distinct difference. Um, how I built the program piece by piece, almost like building a jigsaw puddle, a puzzle, not a puddle. Never heard of a jigsaw puddle. Um, and I, what I did was reverse engineer yeah. What would I have liked and what would I have needed at the start of my journey that I didn't have? Mm -hmm. So things like um, my program includes setting up the limited company. It includes an accountant for 12 months because one big barrier to business is, well, paying taxes. People may not know how to pay, how much to pay, how to be tax efficient, but also tax compliant. So um, I work with an accountant now to offer 12 months of accountancy service to all my clients to eliminate that barrier to entry to make sure the accountant is legit because there are some um, colorful accountants out there and it's very important to me that i only put my name to something that is um abides with the law so none of us like paying taxes particularly where our taxes are going right now but that's the law of the land we do have to be tax compliant and it's actually haram to avoid paying tax when it is due upon us so um things like the accountancy service very very important to me um i provide 90 days of coaching with unlimited one-to-one -one support it's a bit of a myth that one-to-one -one support is the supreme in coaching it's actually beneficial to work in a group as well so we do one-to-one -one support but it is within a wrapper a container of group support when we reflect upon the elite sports people ronaldo messi let me use a football example they don't exclusively train on their own they train in a squad and that's for a reason so it's very important that you uh, expose yourself to people who are going through the journey with you particularly as a muslim woman in business we have people in our family i've come to learn from coaching so many people who do not want us to succeed we've all got a toxic cousin on our dad's side just kidding everyone <laughs> but who will try and copy you or try and you know throw dirt on whatever you do and try and pull you down so not everyone in your family when you turn to business is going to one get it and be able to give you that support that you need and two be positive about it so in my program we make sure we create a safe environment a safe space to explore your entrepreneurial skills as they grow and develop um, i have a team now of 12 people covering all different areas of business and I, it's just been an incredible thing to see so many people be successful one of my highest performing couples hit a million pounds in fba sales amazon sales in their first year so that's probably my my claim to fame so far that this stuff really works but amazon fba is a hard platform it's a hard business to run unless you have the right support but my program delivers that alhamdulillah Shalom, i love how you tackle those is as well in terms of helping you know with because a lot of people they may not have the background or the accountants as you say the accountants to help them with paying taxes and so on and so on so it's great that you provide that support as well and mashallah you know you created some successful business owners out there as well inshallah so inshallah that, that is rewarding for you as well um we are approaching the end so maybe if we can end by you telling us a little bit more about what would you advise muslims who want to start a business but don't know where to start 
I would advise Muslims who want to go into business to be creative. So take stock of your own strengths because it's far easier to start a business based on what you're already naturally good at and what you have an interest in. Otherwise, it's like trying to stick a square peg in a round hole. Lean into your natural strengths. One difficulty in the Ummah is that there are a lot of copycat businesses. So one person will open a burger bar, everyone will own, uh, uh, sorry, open one. There'll be a vape shop and everyone will open one. Really look to do something different. So to be innovative, to be creative and try and solve problems for people. And the best business if I can be honest, to have is a business that solves problems for wealthy people because they have the money to pay you. There's no point starting a business that only solves problems for people who can never afford to pay you for your expertise. So do your research, have confidence in yourself and seek the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I don't feel we can separate business from Islam. That's why I interweave Islamic principles thick into my program because we can't be secular about things. Allah um, gives us a rule book. You know, we live our life as a Muslim first and a business owner second. So that means being honest in your trade, never trying to con people. There's far too much corruption in business. And I've been exposed to that. There have been times where my morals have been tested and I've had to be very, very strong and make sure I stay on the straight path, alhamdulillah. So it can be a place of corruption business with backhanders and all kinds of negativity. So I think keep your deen as your guiding light and seek Allah's refuge and protection protection from going down the wrong path and always seek to be honest like the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam alameen yeah love it mashallah so as you said number one you know having allah and not taking that out of the um, equation and also finding a gap um you know even if you want to there is an idea you want to copy it perhaps finding a gap that will solve a problem out there so khair. so it has actually reached the end of the show and it has been a really um interesting conversation so jazakallah khair for sharing all the things that you've shared the tips more about the work that you do to help others inshallah and you know your own personal story to help others as well so jazakallah khair um dear listeners i hope inshallah that you have found this beneficial for you as well and um inshallah do please stay tuned to future shows this show takes place every monday six to seven and next week's guest is abdul malik taylor who's the director of halal tourism uh britain and multi-award winner um so please do join us. I'm trying to keep it short because of the timing. So please do join us, inshallah, next week. And Jazakumullah khair for listening and tuning in. Jazakumullah khair, Samara. Again, this has been very interesting. And salam alaikum, everyone. Walaikum salam. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefmluton.org.